Hey, welcome to the conversation. You're listening to Andy Mason, and this is Authentic Conversations Around the Messy Intersection of Faith, Family, and Business. And I have the extreme honor and privilege of having with us today, John Bevere. Now, if you, I'm sure you've heard of him, but if you haven't, uh, there's over 20 books. It's in millions of copies sold. When I was back in New Zealand over a decade ago, we went through some of his courses, uh, Undercover, The Bait of Satan, a whole heap of things that have really personally helped me grow. And then when I was in Redding, California, I got to experience John in person at an event with Danny Silk. And that was a profound experience as well. John, it is such a privilege having you with us today. Andy, I'm so honored to be on, and I love Kiwis. I've been down to New Zealand so many times, so I feel right at home talking to you, brother. I just love your accent. Yeah, thank sometimes, you. Sometimes I struggle with New Zealand and England. I, n- I never have a problem with New Zealand, Australia, never. But uh, New Zealand, England, I, I get caught every once in a while. Oh, that's okay. I forgive you. So <laughs> thanks, gonna be good. thanks. That's like saying, <laughs> you sound like a Canadian, John. <laughs> that's it so uh, we've got John on because uh, I don't know about you but we're seeing God move all over the planet it's pretty exciting and and in the context of business we in the context of a partner with the kingdom of God uh, John has just produced a book and it's called the awe of God and by the way, this is so good. I'm reading it. I've bought copies for my kids and I'm telling everyone. And I just figured it. we need to actually hear from him himself. And the goal of this is buy the book and walk through it. It will save your life. John, tell us a little bit about what went into writing this book now. Well, I I made a covenant with God years ago that I would never write a book unless he spoke to me. And I've been wanting to write this book for years because it's my life message. Uh, The whole journey began in 1994. But last year, God spoke to my heart and said, it's time, write it. And one of the reasons why I felt this one was so important is 30 years ago, God spoke to my heart and he said, the final move of my spirit will make the book of Acts look like child's play. And he said, the final move of my spirit will emphasize the holy awe of God. And I started thinking about it afterwards. And I thought, what is the one and only description of the church that Jesus is coming back for? It's not a leadership church, although I believe in leadership. We never get anything accomplished without it. It's not a community church. I believe in community because God said it's not good at man's alone. It's not a relevant church. I believe in relevance. We won't win the loss without it. It's a holy church. Now, that word holy scares people. Let me tell you this. Holiness is not about legalistic behavior. Holiness is about being completely his. You know, the Bible says that our our union with Christ, our creator, is like a man and a woman in marriage. Paul says that in Ephesians 5. You know, Lisa and I have been married 41 years this year. When I proposed to her, she didn't look at me and say, you know, Tony was my high school boyfriend. Can I have a couple nights a year with him? And Peter, I was pinned to him. Can I have a week with him? But John, you'll be my favorite. I'll love you the most. I'll spend 90% of my time with you. I would have said never. Holiness means she said goodbye to 3.9 billion guys. And she said, this is the one and only man I've given myself to. Holiness is about being completely his. Well, the only thing that produces, this is the only description of the church that Jesus is coming back for is a holy bride. 
The only thing that produces holiness, according to the apostle Paul, who God gave the revelation of grace to, is the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is not to be scared of God. Let's make that it has nothing to do with being afraid of God. When Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he brought them to the mountain. God came down on the mountain. The people withdrew. Moses said in Exodus 20, 20, do not fear because God's come to test you to see if his fear is in you so that you may not sin. Now, wait a minute, Moses, do not fear because God's come to see if his fear is in you. Are you talking out of two sides of your mouth? No, he's actually differentiating between being scared of God and the fear of the Lord. So the person that's scared of God is something to hide. What does Adam do when he run, He hides from the presence of the Lord when he sins? The person who fears God is nothing to hide. That person's terrified of being away from God. Yeah. So before I really define what the fear of the Lord is, I want all of your listeners to understand it is not to be scared of God. That's it. What I really, I have a passionate heart for entrepreneurs. I actually wrote an entire book. It wasn't this one. It was the previous one to entrepreneurs because I love entrepreneurs. So here's where it gets interesting for entrepreneurs. The fear of the Lord, I have found over 40 benefits in scripture, blessings, perks, whatever you want to call it, that is made only to those who fear God. Now, the best first and foremost, is an intimate relationship with God. Absolutely. Psalm 5 verse 14 says, friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. Yeah. The Bible says that the beginning of knowing God intimate, in, intimately is the fear of the Lord. That's Proverbs 1, 7 and 2, 5. But here's where I think it gets really good for business people. Is the fear of the Lord, the scripture tells us, is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom. Now, that word beginning is actually the same word used in Genesis 1-1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it literally means it's the starting place. So you do not have eternal, sharp, good wisdom until you first fear God. I don't care how wise you think you are, your wisdom will not endure if it's not founded in the fear of the Lord, because that's the starting place for wisdom. But that's usually where we stop talking about it, and I find that to be almost a tragedy. Yeah. Because Proverbs 14 tells us that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Now, the word fountain means a continual flowing source. That Hebrew word literally means that. So it actually would have been better to translate the fear of the Lord is a continual flow of life turning one away from the traps of death. Now, there's so much here, okay? Notice death comes in traps. Anybody that has done any hunting or more specifically trapping knows every trap needs two things. It needs to be camouflaged and it needs to be baited. So death is camouflaged. Death is baited. Now, If it's camouflaged, this means it's hidden to its victim. But now listen to this. The fear of the Lord is a continual flowing source of life that protects us from the traps of death. All right. So what, what, let's get more specific, a continual flow of life. If you go to Proverbs 15, it says the fear of the Lord is the counsel of wisdom, the counsel of wisdom. We go to wise entrepreneurs because we want counsel, right? All right. So let's put the whole thing together. The fear of the Lord is the continual 
flow of the counsel of wisdom that protects us from the traps of life. Wow, I need that. Now, I'm going to share with everybody a, just, just one of the ways this, 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 this continual flow of wisdom protects us from the trap of death. I'm going to talk about somebody who actually had no relationship with God. None. All right. You say, but he feared God. You say, wait, wait, wait a minute. Somebody can fear God and have no relationship with God. Yes. If you look at Cornelius, he's a Roman yeah. centurion, and the Bible yeah. says he's devout. That word devout means he feared God. And because he feared God, God sent an angel, and the angel said, hey, go to Simon the Tanner, because there's a man named Peter there. You need to get him to come tell you how to get saved, because I want a relationship with you because you fear me. I mean, I think that's really cool. But anyway, he had no relationship with God, but he feared God. So the guy I want to talk to, I would talk about, is a guy named Abimelech. All right, who is this guy, Abimelech? He's found in Genesis 20. He's the king of Gear. Yeah. All right, Abraham. Okay, we're talking about the Abraham patriarch, right? Okay, comes to Gear. Sarah, his wife, is gorgeous. So he and Sarah agree that he's going to present her to the king as his sister so the king doesn't kill him and then take her into his harem. But what Abraham doesn't know is this king fears God. So Abraham deceives the king and presents Sarah as his sister. The king brings her into his harem. God comes to Abimelech in a dream at night and says, you are a dead man. Yeah. Because the woman you have is another man's wife. Okay, Abimelech goes, Lord, and I think it's really interesting that he uses the word Lord yeah, because it yeah. means my Lord. Lord, I did not know she was another man's wife. Are you going to destroy an innocent man in an innocent nation? Now listen to God's response. God says, yes, I know you didn't know. That's why I kept you from touching her and did not let you sin against me. Wow. Oh, are you seeing this? The fear of the Lord in him was a continual flowing source of the counsel of wisdom that actually kept him, him from yeah. a trap set by Abraham, Yeah, a trap of death that would have destroyed him and his nation. Now, so if that happens with a man with no relationship with God, yeah. how much more is it going to happen with all your entrepreneurs that are in your group who love Jesus with all their heart, who have a relationship with God? This is why I believe the fear of the Lord is so important in the business world. And I have been saying this for years. Absolutely. The next move of God is going to actually kick off in the business, in the That's marketplace. Right. That's right. I believe it with all my heart. It's not going to happen in the four walls of the church. It's going to happen in the marketplace. And I believe it's going to affect all sectors of society. It's going to affect healthcare, education, government, the church. Don't get me wrong. But there is something. There's a touch of God on the marketplace. There are so many strategic people in marketplace. I meet them constantly. They have a genuine fear of God. That's yeah. why they're operating in the high level that they're operating in. So am I, am I talking too much, Andy? Yeah, you're doing great. I'm loving it. I've okay. got to get to that story, but I'm loving this. We're going to get to it. So let's go back to what is the fear of the Lord. First of all, it's not to be scared of God. All right. What is it? It is to stand in awe of God. It's when we venerate, we tremble, we yeah. respect, we honor, we revere him more than anything or anyone else. 
Yeah. It's literally when we take God's heart, what we, what he loves, we love what he hates, we hate, right? So if you want to dumb it down and make it easy, the fear of the Lord can be broken into two major categories. Category number one is to tremble at his presence. Yeah. God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah and he said, do you not fear me? This is what he said to his own people. Do you not fear me? Will you not tremble at my presence? Psalm 89 verse 7 says, God is to be greatly feared among the assembly of the saints and be held in reverence by all those that surround him. So you will never find the Lord in an atmosphere where he's not held with the utmost of respect. Now, when I learned this was back in 1997, some of the people weren't even born in 1997 that are listening. <laughs> but anyway, I had... Um, I had been asked to the nation of Brazil. It was their national conference, and it was the first time I had ever been to this nation. I was so over the moon excited, okay? So I go to this arena. It's it, it's not a stadium. It's not an auditorium. It's an arena, okay? And it's massive. Yeah. And they bring me in. They put me on the platform, which I, oh, gosh. It's awkward. I, I hated that. They used to put us pastors on the platform during worship, and you feel like you're a spectacle. But anyway, I'm on the platform. This is 1997. It's a long time ago. So the arena is jam-packed. There's not a seat open I can see. The musicians are the best in the nation. The singers are unbelievable. Yeah. But there's not an ounce of the presence of God in the whole arena. Now, yes, God is everywhere. We know that. But we also know that his manifest presence, which means where he makes himself real to us. We yeah, can that's what we want. Yeah, that's what we want. That was void in that atmosphere. So I remember I'm standing on the platform, Andy, and I closed my eyes and I said, God, where's your presence? Yeah. All of a sudden, I open my eyes and I see something I didn't see before I asked. I see people high-fiving each other. They're talking. They're walking over. Say, they're, they're, you, you know, two guys are walking over, seeing their friend. Hey, what's going on? People are walking in and out, getting concessions from the concession stands of this big arena. They're bringing their tacos back to their seats. They're they're standing there with their arms crossed, looking around. They got their hands in their pocket, looking down. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? So I think this will stop, but it doesn't. They get done with the worship set, and one of the leaders comes up and begins to read from the scripture. And now because there's no music, you can hear a mutter from all the people talking. Wow. And I'm like... What is going on? And how many people? How many people in that in that arena? Thousands. I mean, thousands. I have okay. no idea. I it's it's. Uh, I mean, we're talking big and thousands, and yeah, no. So you can goes. hear this. Oh, it's just it's just, and you're like, oh my gosh. Okay, so Holy Spirit speaks to me, son. You must confront this. I'm like, yeah, I, I know, but how do I even get their attention? So he gave me an idea. So they introduce me, and I walk up to the podium, and I just stand there and stare at everybody. I don't say a thing. Don't make a move. Don't say a word. Now, when you're the Friday night speaker of the national conference, and you're just standing there staring at everybody, that gets their attention. Yeah, it does. All of a sudden, everybody stopped talking. They stopped walking around. They, they literally stopped in their tracks. They're looking at me like, what are you doing? And when I realized every eye was on me in the place, I said, I have a question. I said, you're sitting, talking to somebody sitting across the table. And the whole time you're talking to that person, 
They got their arms crossed looking around as if they're disinterested. They got their hands in their pocket looking down or they're whispering to somebody sitting beside them. I said, will you continue to talk to them? No. I said, I've been in this arena for over an hour. There isn't a drop of the presence of God in here because God will never come into a place where he's not held with the utmost of respect. I said, if the president of your nation would have walked on this platform tonight, you would have given him 10 times the respect you gave the Holy Spirit. I said, if Pele, your greatest soccer player in Brazil's history, your national champion, would have walked on this platform, you would have been holding the seat in front of you on the edge of your seat, anticipating every single word that comes out of his mouth. I said, you've given no respect to the Spirit of God. And I preached to them for 75 minutes on the holy awe of God. After 75 minutes, now this is a believer's conference. Yeah. I said, everybody in here, you say, I'm saved, but I lack the fear of God, and you're willing to repent, stand up. <clears throat> Three-fourths of the arena stands to their feet. Soon as they do, presence of God comes in the yeah. hall. People start weeping. I'm like, we haven't even prayed yet. And I, I, I remember that was my first thought. We haven't even prayed, and the presence of God is already here. So they weep, and I lead them in a prayer of repentance, and I'll never forget this. It was a couple waves of his presence, and the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, son, I'm coming one more time. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. There's no way I can adequately describe it, but pretend like you're in a really thick forest and this 30 mile an hour gust of wind starts blowing in the forest. <laughs> Come on. That kind of a wind came blowing into that arena. When yeah. it did, people started screaming. Now, can you imagine thousands of Brazilians screaming? The wind was louder. Yeah, And I remember, Andy, I am standing on that platform, and I'm petrified, Yeah, but I'm drawn to it. Now, this may sound really strange to everybody that's listening to us right now. It's so hard to describe until you've—I've only experienced this like five or six times. I'm literally terrified, but yet I'm drawn to it. And I'm like, God, please don't lift, but yet my mind is screaming— Please, I can't handle anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the authority that came into that arena, I've never experienced before. And I remember thinking, this isn't dad. This is the king. Yeah. And I'm standing there and your, 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 your community may really, they may shake their head what I'm about to say. But I had a thought go through my mind. And the thought was, John Bevere, you say one wrong word, you make one wrong move. Your dad. Would that That's happen? right. I don't know, but it did happen with a man and a wife who brought an offering with irreverence. Yeah. To their That's local right. service. Ananias Sapphira. Chapter five, Ananias and Sapphira. They buried him that day. Yeah. I remember, I knew irreverence wouldn't be tolerated. And so I remember it lasted about 90 seconds. It, it, it gradually just, just like the wind would stop blowing, it subsided, right? Yeah. Lifting yeah. his people collapsed all over. I remember they whisked me out because I'm done, okay? They whisked me out, put me in the car. They put the national singer and her husband in the car. She screams, literally screams, did you hear the wind? Did you hear the wind? I said, maybe it was a jet aircraft flew over the building too low. And she got mad at me now, Andy. She goes, what are you talking about? And she starts going off, right? Her husband calms her down. He said, sir, that wasn't a jet airplane. Yeah. I said, how do you know? And he said, because... There are security men and policemen all around the outside of the arena. He said, they're union workers, John. 
Most of them aren't even safe. He said they yeah. heard the wind from the outside of the arena. They came running in saying, what is the sound of the wind? He said, I'm at the soundboard and I'm looking at the decimal meters because I had to make sure my wife's levels were right. And the decimal meters at zero the whole time the wind's blowing. Yeah. He said, yeah. do you understand? Not one ounce of that sound came through our sound system. I said, wow. just take me to my hotel. They're like, do you want to go eat? No, take me to my hotel. And I, I remember just sitting on the balcony till 1.30 in the morning in awe, thinking, what just happened tonight? Yeah. The next morning, so now it's same arena, same people, and I'm speaking Saturday morning. The presence of God, oh my goodness, the miracles yeah. that happened, the deliverances that happened, the salvation. Yeah. That's it. All because of reverence. Yeah. So. God makes the statement in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. He says, by those who come near me, I must. So there are the should-bes in scriptures, and there's the must-bes. Yeah. You're wise to heed the, the should-bes. You're a fool to ignore the must-bes. Come on. God says, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. That's a universal and eternal decree. God is saying, those who surround my throne for, forever and ever. They will regard me as holy. If you look at holy, it is the attribute of God that stands above all other attributes. Isaiah loved God passionately, deeply. He was a preacher of righteousness. He preaches in Isaiah 5, woe to the God, ungodly, woe to those who call good, evil, evil, good. He has one glimpse of God in Isaiah 6, and he's on his face groveling, going, woe is me. No, it's yeah. no longer woe is the sinner, it's woe is me, because he realizes who this holy God is. Yeah. And when he sees the throne, because he's in the spirit, he sees the throne, he notices these massive angels. And these massive beings are crying out, holy, holy, holy. And they're really crying holy once. It's just a Hebrew form of writing to emphasize a word. They'd write it three times means you can't emphasize it anymore. Yeah. Their cry of holy is so loud, it's shaking the doorpost of an arena that seats over a billion people in heaven. Okay. That's crazy when you think about it, all right? And they're not singing a song making God feel good about himself. I know we have this holy, holy, holy song that we sing. They're not doing that. They are responding to what they see. Every moment, another facet of God's glory is being revealed. Yeah. All they cry is holy. But now, what, what is interesting to me is they're not crying faithful, faithful, faithful. Is God faithful? You better believe it. Absolutely. He's faithful, more faithful than any bank in the world, right? God is faithful. They're not crying out, light, light, light. Is he light? Yeah, the Bible says he is light. They're not crying out, love, love, love. Is yeah. God love? He doesn't even have love. He is love. He's the essence of love. But the attribute that stands above all others is his holiness. And I love the quote. We were talking about it. I love the quote of Oswald Chambers. Yep. He said, but read it. Please read it. Well, let me Let me just find that. It's just... I can quote it or you can find it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there are so many in here. And for, for you listening to this, is that story is phenomenal. Uh, I'm getting distracted with spiritual Why you look for it? Let me, tell, let me tell everybody what happened. We heard about that for 22 years. We got emails about it. We got snail mail about it from Brazil in our office. But I remember when I went down to Brazil in 2016 to speak to 12,000 pastors. The city was Goiânia, Brazil. I remember the first pastor I met in the network, he looked at me and he goes, I was in the arena in 1997 when the wind blew. He said, my life has never been the same. And that's, that's because when you encounter him in his glory like that, you'll never be the same. Yeah. And, and this is why John and I having this conversation is business people, 
everybody, this will keep you. Uh, and, and it's a big deal. We're walking with people right now that have got messes all around. This will keep you from the snares of death. Here's the, here's the quote from Oswald Chambers. When we preach the love of God, there is a danger of forgetting that the Bible reveals not first the love of God, but the intense, blazing holiness of God with his love at the center of that holiness. Boom. It's one of my favorite quotes. Um, you know, the, a very similar, and I don't, I don't know if you've gotten to this chapter yet, but this will be a, probably a little bit past you. But I remember a couple, two years later, I went to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Did you read that chapter yet? Not yet. So everybody, so. everybody, Andy's journeying through the book right now, but this is a later chapter. And I remember that that same thing happened again. It, this was another national conference. It was a, it was an auditorium this time, not an arena. It was an auditorium. But it was jammed, and um, it was our final service. And that presence came in again. There wasn't a win this time, but that presence. Yeah. And I remember when it was over, the, the, the national leader, who's very well-loved well in, in Malaysia, he came up. He said, look, we, were, we usually close with a song. There's no song. There's no close. You can stay as long as you want. And I remember I stayed quite a while, and I was walking out, and um, – there's an Indian couple. They, they were Bible school students in, in it was the largest Bible school in, in uh, Malaysia. And then they, they opened it up to, to the nation. And we're just looking at each other and there's no words. We're yeah. just staring at each other. Right. But she breaks the silence by saying these words. She said, I feel so clean inside. Yeah. I said, Oh my gosh. Now I didn't say anything to her, but inside I'm jumping up and down. I'm going, she nailed it. Yeah. That's what I felt in Brazil. That's what I felt in California. That's yeah. what I felt in Carolina. That's that's it. Yeah. So I went back to my hotel that night and I thought, clean, clean. That's it. That's yeah. it. Feel so clean. So the next morning I'm getting I'm getting ready to play basketball with the Bible school students in Malaysia, right? I'm putting on my gym shorts and the Holy Spirit said, son, read Psalm 19. So I go yeah. to Psalm 19. There it is. I have no idea what I'm going to read. Verse one, two, three, four. Then I get to verse nine and it says, the fear of the Lord is clean. And I went, there it is. There it is. And then the words came enduring forever. So it reads, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that room and he said, son, Lucifer led worship right before my throne. Yeah. He beheld yes. my glory. Yeah. He was anointed to do so. He didn't fear me. He didn't endure forever. He said, a third of the angels surrounded my throne. Yeah. He said, they saw my glory. They didn't fear me. They That's didn't. Right. He said, Adam and Eve walked with me in the garden in the midst of my glory. They didn't fear me. They didn't endure in the garden forever. And then he said, every created being throughout eternity will be tested in the holy fear of God. Yeah. After that, I started meditating and I started thinking, there are ministers. They started in ministry. They were excited to help people. They loved Jesus. They didn't fear God. They didn't endure forever. Yeah. Barna did a study. Over 23 million Americans have walked away from the faith. In the last, since the year 2000, they were practicing Christians. In other words, they prayed regularly and they attended regularly. And now 
Those over 23 million are professing agnostics, atheists, and spiritualists. Now, there's another 20 million that are just silent. They're not Christians. They're not non-Christians. If you push them in the corner, they'll say, okay, I'm a Christian, but they're totally silent. I'm talking about the 23 million that are professing agnostics, atheists, and spiritualists. That's one out of every 14 Americans. Yeah. Okay. Paul tells us there's going to be a great falling away. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, before Jesus returns, there's going to be a great falling away. What he doesn't say is that they wouldn't come back. John the Baptist was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yep. Right? I believe there's going to be an army of young men and women, older men and women, in the business world, in marketplace, in healthcare, in, in ministry, in government. They're going to have on their life the ability to go after those lost sheep and yeah. bring them back. And I believe that it's the holy awe of God that's going to keep them. Yeah. Jesus is constantly saying, he who endures the end, he who endures the end. Paul says, if you can continue steadfast, what is it that keeps us? I, I, I hit 40 years of ministry this June. Congratulations. More yeah. in love with Jesus than I have been my entire life. Good. What keeps that love flame burning? The holy fear, fear of God. So good. And that's what I love about you, John, is that it's like you just get more on fire. And that's what we should do if we will lean in. So grab a copy. I'm doing this. Uh, it's literally broken down like a devotional. So you can read one chapter a night. That's what I'm doing. And it's got activations at the end. So it doesn't just become a book, but how do I integrate this into my life? It's one that's not just a one-time read, but it'll read again. I'm reading it. My kids are reading it. And I think you should too. John, where's the best place for them to get this? Because with it, there's a whole heap of other resources that people can get as well. Well, you talk to our entrepreneurs. They're marketplace people. So I know time is valuable. So I'm going to send them to the first and easiest place. Probably 99% of your people are Prime members at Amazon. Yep. All they got to do is hit one button. And the book Boom. is 35% off on Amazon, right? So... There, there's the first place. If you want to go to our website, it's johnbevere.com. Uh, that's that's a great blessing to our ministry. But, you know, Andy, I'm more concerned about people reading this message than being a blessing to our ministry. So yeah. just get it. I know you get it. You can you can click Audible. You can click uh, uh, Kindle. You can click the hardback book. I recommend having the hardback book because of the what you said, the integration, the, yeah. the five P's, making it personal. Also, Andy, at the back in Appendix A, yep. there is a QR code, and I did 42 four-minute videos. And I remember the, the publisher's like, we can't charge for these. I was, I was like, we're not charging for them. I don't want to charge for them. And they're like, you're going to do 42 videos, and you're not going to charge for them. I said, yes. I want people to get this it's message. It's a big deal. So, yeah. so that comes with the book, the 42 four-minute videos. And then, then we have a course Okay, that's totally separate. You can get that on Amazon too. And you get the, it's it's a whole workbook. Yeah. That's for groups. Yeah. So I know entrepreneurs, they're always wanting to be in groups. So you buy just the 19, I think it's $19 workbook. It's got a link and it brings you right to the six 30 minute lessons for the course. Beautiful. Highly valuable. It's, it's so good. It's timely. It's now. 
I want to be a part of what God's doing. And I want to better stand before him at the end of my days and have him to hear him say, well done, good and faithful. And so the fear of God is what keeps you in his ways and accesses wisdom, innovation, ideas, and creativity. So John, would you just wrap this up and pray for us? I would be so honored. Heavenly Father, Father, we just come before your throne in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I already sent your presence, and I sent your deep love, your deep, deep love, your delight, actually, in so many that are praying with us right now. And I am asking, Heavenly Father, that you would baptize us in the Holy Spirit of the fear of the Lord. This is one of the manifestations of your spirit. And so, Lord God, in Jesus' name, you said if we ask you for the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, you'd give him to us. And so, living God, our Heavenly Father, baptize us in the holy fear of God. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. And Jesus, we profess you as our Lord, as our Savior, as our Master, as our King. And we are following you forever. And we just thank you now that you are baptizing us in your spirit of fear of the Lord. It's what you delighted in, Jesus. It's what we delight in. And so, Lord God, I pray that the wisdom and the counsel of God would give creative ideas to every one of these entrepreneurs. That, Lord, new business ideas, new ventures would come into their spirit as they walk in the wisdom and the counsel and the understanding of God. I thank you for this. And I praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, I do sense there are some that are sick. They're afflicted. I speak to that sickness and that disease and that affliction. And I command yes. to go in Jesus' mighty yeah, name. I agree. And I release the healing power of God into I agree. physical body now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, the turbulence in that marriage, I speak peace to that marriage in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, John. It's been an honor. Thank you, Andy.